Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Longshot is a production of McClatchy Studios and iHeartRadio. I'm Alexandreev, and this is a bonus feature for Payback. The U.S. women are multiple World Cup champions while fighting for equal pay, but today that battle is officially over. The U.S. women's national team players recently came to an agreement with the U.S. Soccer Federation to settle their long-running legal dispute over equal pay. To be able to say, finally, equal pay for equal work feels very, very good. As listeners heard in part 10, the agreement between U.S. soccer and the women's team was contingent upon both the women's and men's national teams agreeing to new collective bargaining agreements with the Federation. And finally, that has happened. U.S. soccer will now do something no other soccer federation in the world does. World Cup prize money will be pooled between the men and women's teams and split equally among all players. Immediately, both the players and the Federation jointly declared it a victory for all involved. This is just a really historic moment that will hopefully lead to meaningful changes and progress, not only here at home in the U.S., but around the world. Here's U.S. soccer president Cindy Parlocone. And I think this will not only impact soccer, but it'll impact sport in general, as well as society. So I'm really proud of what we've achieved together. This is not just equal pay. I think that would be really lazy to say that this deal is all about equal pay. It's not. It's about equal treatment across the board. Dan Lust is an attorney and professor and a former employee of the New York Giants. He spends his days at the intersection of sport and law. If you just look at the deal points, they really put every single thing on the table from a gender disparity standpoint, and they really tried to normalize and equalize the two. Lust wasn't involved in negotiating those contracts. But Lust has gone through much of the publicly available information about the women's team's new deal. And he spoke with me about a few things in that new contract that he finds particularly interesting. I think this is a really complex and layered deal, really the first of its kind in the world. This conversation has been edited and condensed for length and clarity. 
So my name is Daniel Lust. I'm the sports law professor at New York Law School. You do not have to call me Professor Lust for obvious reasons, but I'm a sports and entertainment attorney at the law firm of Garagos and Garagos, New York City. And, and I'd say I'm, I'm one of a handful of sports legal analysts that goes on shows around the country to talk about this fun intersection of sports and law. Certainly, this story is right at the heart of it. Well, you know, it might be a simple question, but is there really sports law? You mentioned the intersection of sports and law. How do you define this area? So as I tell my students on day one, maybe uh, their their hearts drop a little bit, but I, I say there is no such thing really as quote unquote sports law. It's the intersection of legal issues, which could be labor and employment issues, antitrust issues, criminal issues, civil issues, when they involve sports parties. So that could be here, women's soccer, men's soccer. It could be the NFL. It could be a major league baseball player. My day-to-day practice, I'm a litigator. I handle all sorts of cases, different shapes and sizes from practice areas. But, you know, why I can comment on a number of different quote-unquote sports law issues is because they hit on, right, employment. They hit on sometimes civil lawsuits, contractual lawsuits. So it's understanding the law first and then being able to comment, uh, you know, on the sports-specific ramifications. So you have to be a pure lawyer, but I think it really does help to be a, a diehard sports fan to understand the true you know, we'll say on the pitch fallout. <laughs> yeah, well, and to get kind of into the news of this week, obviously about the U.S. men's and women's national soccer teams having agreed to a new collective bargaining agreement that'll run through 2028 and achieves equal pay through identical economic terms, including equalizations of FIFA World Cup prize money. So it seems like a big step forward, especially for the women's team that was engaged in what was at times a really bitter legal dispute with the parent federation. So I'm curious what has stood out to you about the way that this equal pay case has played out and how it's been resolved through, you know, sort of the CBA news. Yeah. So I think if we go back to February, that deal that was reached at the court level was always contingent on the CBA being reached. Major news this morning in the years long fight for equal pay A six-year fight over equal pay may finally have ended today. The players reached a $24 million settlement with the U.S. Soccer Federation. It was a promise from, you know, U.S. Soccer that they will try their, you know, best efforts to work on a deal that looks like equal pay. So I think many expected it to come a little bit sooner because I think the women's CBA expired in March. So people thought it was going to happen very quickly. And we should note that this isn't really everything being wrapped up. Now the CBA deal being struck has to go back to court, be approved by the court, be approved by the class members to that lawsuit. But yeah, I mean, at its heart, you know, you look at the deal points here, it's equality across the board. It's not just pay, right? The quality of the field, equal travel, equal share of FIFA prize pool. It's a very, we'll say monumental and precedent setting deal, really the first of its kind in the world. Certainly this is a a really big step for not just soccer nationally, but this could set the tone for soccer, you know, globally. Well, something that I'm very curious to get your perspective on is, you know, the fact that the CBAs triggered the official settlement of the women's team's class action equal pay lawsuit. The players were originally asking for more than $66 million in back pay and then settled, right, for a lump sum payment of $22 million, which is significantly less. But also this promise by U.S. soccer that it would provide this equal rate of pay going forward for the men's and women's teams. Why might this result, meaning a settlement, have been better for the parties involved rather than the women continuing down the path of litigation and potentially going to trial? Yeah, so I I think the interesting thing here, the women had lost an earlier stage of the case, and a lot of the case was knocked out. 
The reigning World Cup champion U.S. women's soccer team is vowing to fight on after a judge dismissed their claim of unequal pay with their male counterparts. The judge said that their claims are not enough to warrant a trial. NPR's Tom- but I, I think men's soccer, and this is me just reading it from an outside perspective, I think if, if the women were to lose their case, there's a very clear reading of it that it would be a loss for both the women's and men's side. I think everyone is understanding, right, that the women's national team is one of the best teams in the entire world. And it's just really terrible optics that they're being paid pennies on the dollar compared, you know, to the maximum amount the men could have earned. Obviously, the economics are thrown off in the last eight years or so because the uh, of the men's lack of success at the World Cup level. But I think what everyone needs to take a step back and understand is that, you know, the men's side here, I think the position was. FIFA offers a much larger prize pool to the men on the World's Cup that's independent of what's happening in U.S. soccer. It's just a FIFA position. So the men's side willingness to compromise and say, you know what, even though FIFA is offering the men a, a larger you know, piece of the pie, I think just by qualifying for the World Cup, I think the men's side is entitled to $9 million in World Cup bonuses, whereas the women, I think the maximum they could earn by winning the World Cup, as crazy as that is, is closer to $4 million. And Alex, you know, in spite of the fact that maybe the women didn't have you know, an airtight case in terms of the law, the men said uh, essentially, hey, we think that the settlement of this case and, and labor peace between both the men's and women's side is probably safer to the long term health of, of soccer. And I think you're, you're seeing that in, in the comments here. This deal, I don't think happens unless the men's side and their attorneys had a really holistic approach and an altruistic approach that the dollars that we could maybe earn here for uh, you know the men's side isn't worth the, the risk to the long-term optics of U.S. soccer. So the women's side did a fantastic job negotiating this deal. I think the men's side deserves some credit for compromising on, on the financial side, which certainly they didn't have to, but it looks like a, a deal was struck just as much on the altruistic reasons as there were on the financial reasons. And I, I mean, I think just bringing in some of those finer points now, right? Like this also may have benefited them on some of those smaller points, meaning like when you look at child care as part of this deal, it says that, you know, national team during training camps and matches that U.S. soccer is going to provide child care for the men's team as well as it has for the U.S. women's national team in the past. Parental leave is another thing, you know, certain benefits to players are things that sort of stood out to me is, you know, maybe this is a little bit more revolutionary for the men's side as well as the women's side. Yeah. And then, you know, I, in talking about my soccer history with you, uh, I played uh, in high school, tried to play in college, wasn't quite good enough for the collegiate level, but I'm a father of two uh, little girls who I hope to, you know, will go up and play soccer. And I think that's got to be the standpoint on the men's side. You know, they're all, uh, I mean, imagine a good amount of them are girl dads, right? They want the future of women's soccer that they would appreciate. And just as much as the women's side was in a position to shape soccer or women's soccer for the future, the men's side was as well. And I think you know, from a humane standpoint, I think that makes sense. And also on a childcare level, right? Like, I don't know, maybe there are some things that weren't as highly publicized that the men wanted that the women had. And, and that seems to be one of them, right? Just like in the workforce. So I think it strikes a balance on a number of levels. If you look at the deal, right? A lot of it is just, it's a fancy legal term, right? It's a cut and paste, right? Men's get this, women's get this. It's, it's meant to mirror one another. So I, I think that is really big. And if you just look at the deal points, and I think there were 35 plus negotiating sessions. I saw that at, at one point, you know, it looks like they really put every single thing on the table that could possibly come up from a gender disparity standpoint. And they really tried to normalize and equalize the two. You know, this is not just 
equal pay. I think that would be really lazy to say that this deal is all about equal pay. It's not. It's about equal treatment across the board, up and down, during season, out of the season. I think this is a really complex and layered deal. It shouldn't shock anyone that this took longer than us legal experts expected. We'll be back after this. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare zumo play is your destination for endless entertainment with a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels movies and full tv series you'll easily find something to watch right away and the best part it's all free love music get lost in the 90s with iheart 90s dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iheart radio music channels no logins no signups no accounts no hassle so what are you waiting for start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and google play stores today all you can stream with zumo play live nation presents concert week now through may 14th get 25 dollars tickets to over 5,000 shows that's up to 75 percent off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 savage alanis morissette cage the elephant celeste barber dirk spentley fade hootie and the blowfish janet jackson kids bob kids megan trainer fistle puma sarah mclaughlin get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just 25 dollars until now through may 14th Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The U.S. men's and women's national soccer teams having agreed to a new collective bargaining agreement. Certainly, it is something that took longer than expected. I don't know how something like this would typically play out, but the turning point sort of came when everyone got in a room together and sat down and really just hashed it out that way. Being involved in these kind of discussions, I mean, how difficult is it to get something like this across the finish line, knowing that, you know, maybe it's not entirely across this point, but to get to this place? Um, we're at a really unique time in, in soccer, right? The men have already qualified for the upcoming World Cup, and they have an automatic qualifier to the next World Cup. So I, I think that certainly plays a role in this. Timing is really everything. I'm happy to use a word like serendipitous. If the men, let's say they failed to qualify for the upcoming World Cup and they didn't have an automatic qualifier in the next World Cup, maybe the women's side is sitting here and they're saying, well, you know, it sounds really good to split the uh, the World Cup prize pool. But what if you guys don't qualify for the next two years? Then maybe this is a bad deal for us. As crazy as that sounds, right? The women win the World Cup. The men don't qualify. What's the point of splitting the bonus here? So I think the, the fact that the men qualified automatic qualifier for the following year, I think is very serendipitous. And again, the length of this deal it takes you, not coincidentally, to the next two World Cups. And that's the bulk of the money that both sides will make. There's also a split in terms of broadcast revenue. So I think that is also going to play a factor. Just the timing worked out on a number of levels to get this deal done. 
And you mentioned, you know, the World Cup prize money was certainly a huge sticking point. And it's something that U.S. soccer has said in the past would be impossible to equalize. It would bankrupt the Federation was the rhetoric before. You know, more recently, it sounded like this has been a call to action to FIFA, to other governing bodies. How difficult is it to replicate something like this at an international level or across federations? You know, it's going to take the willingness of the attorneys or counsel on a men's side in a different country to have an appreciation that, hey, maybe you don't necessarily have to win the battle, but you can win the war on soccer, right? So again, here, I don't I don't want to make light of it. If a financial accountant was asked like, hey, on the men's side, should you take this deal where you're you know, potentially giving up tens of millions more that the women's side is not eligible for just based on FIFA standard? I think if the accountant told you, hey, this is a much better deal than what the men had originally... I think you probably wouldn't trust them. Now, could we get into the mindset of a different country that maybe takes the same viewpoint? Possibly, but I think we have to keep in mind, right? Men's soccer is undergoing a giant overhaul domestically. So I think that is certainly playing a role in all of this, that the long-term health of men's soccer might have been in question uh, and they needed to kind of partner with the women's side. And I think, you know, also I don't, you know, globally, we know what's going on here, right? There is a societal movement Maybe this doesn't happen four years ago, five years ago, but right now the time is ripe to make a really big change and make a really big societal statement for all the parties involved. In addition to all these altruistic reasons, the salaries for international soccer have increased. The transfer fees have increased. The the economy of international soccer has certainly increased. So that's, I think, going to make the men feel a little bit better about giving up a piece of uh, the FIFA World Cup money because they're just making more money than the last time the CBA came up. And I think NWSL salaries going up as well certainly helps that conversation. So I think the money going up for the rest of soccer made this an easier pill to swallow for both sides from a financial standpoint. Yeah, certainly. Money matters. It does. <laughs> and then I, I think something that's also maybe important to mention off that point that FIFA, like US soccer, are they're nonprofits. Whereas, you know, sometimes I think these same arguments get conflated on like a private versus, you know, a nonprofit level. Yeah, I'll say on that, it's like, you know, U.S. soccer got rightfully hammered for a lot of points they had made over the course of this litigation under prior leadership, we'll say. But the one point that I I think was fair is that they're saying we don't control the amount of prize pool allotted to the women's versus men's. On the back end, right, maybe we can control the distribution of that money, but we can't control the amounts by default that FIFA set. So. FIFA, as has been well reported, has their own issues, bribery scandals and whatnot. You know, people are free to look it up. But I think what U.S. soccer is saying, listen, we are not going to, um, you know, uh, kick the can down the road at this point. We're not going to punt and say it's an excuse that FIFA might be corrupt or they're stuck in the past. We are going to make a difference here and saying regardless of what FIFA might want to distribute, we're going to basically put a legal filter on that stopgap. We're still going to allocate that fairly. So U.S. soccer is making a standpoint. We don't care what the rest of the world is doing. Legally, we are going to do it this way, and and we hope others follow. Do you think there are other sports leagues, teams, organizations out there that are watching what's happening here as as some sort of precedent that can be replicated in the future? I think it's a great question. The NWSL is certainly tied to this deal because of the guaranteed salaries that are being taken away from the women's national team players. So that's the, the finance of that league have been brought up in these terms of conversations. How does this affect the settlement? How does this affect the league? The other league that is probably watching this closely is probably um, the other biggest women's professional league in the United States. That's the WNBA. And much has been made, especially in light of this Brittany Griner saga that's going on in Russia. One of the stars of the WNBA 
is, as at least of the time of this recording, stuck in a Russian prison because of allegations that she, uh, you know, was possessing a, a cannabis device. So why was Brittany Griner in Russia? Because she wasn't making enough money domestically with the WNBA, was forced to go play overseas where they pay exponentially more money. The men's uh, the NBA are some of the most well-compensated players in the country, um, if not in the entire professional sports landscape globally. And women at playing the same exact sport make pennies on the dollar. And just to keep in mind, right, the WNBA is connected legally to the NBA. So maybe we should be looking a little bit more closely at compensation being given to women's basketball players. And I would hope that they read this message loud and clear and people start perking up and say, hey, it might be time for a change there as well. I'm Alexandria. Payback is a production of the Charlotte Observer, Raleigh News and Observer, McClatchy Studios, and iHeartRadio. It's produced by Kata Stevens, Casey Toth, Julia Wall, and Davin Coburn. The executive producer for iHeartRadio is Sean Tytone. For lots more on this story, and to support journalism like this, visit charlotteobserver.com payback or newsobserver.com payback. And for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.